Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 684, recorded on July 1st, 2022. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Helping me talk about that, think through it, and hopefully share some good stuff with you today is Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Hi, Martin. Uh, welcome to July. Mm-hmm. I um, I guess I have a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode of Wells Tech, and that is that there are roofs being replaced around me, not my <laughs> roof, but some nearby. So I'm hoping that doesn't come through on the recording, but there's a lot of pounding happening in my right, world today. Right, you're nothing. That's just kind of life. That's okay. yeah. That's uh... We expect that there have been other interruptions on Wells Tech in the past that we've <laughs> that we've survived. So not a yeah, problem. I remember having a dog at one point with a jangly collar, and uh-huh. he would manage to make his mark. So yeah, what was his name again? Casey the Wonder Dog. Casey the Wonder Dog. Yes. Uh, we are in the midst of summer. Yeah, right in the heart of summer. And um, one thing that we do each summer here on Wells Tech is shorten things up and change things up a little bit. We focus on one topic, shrink down the agenda, and just kind of uh, talk through that. We, of course, do our picks and community feedback, that kind of stuff. But uh, this summer, we're working through uh, actually a little bit of my own homework. I'm beginning to build a course called Enhancing Ministry with Technology, which I'll be teaching for the Graduate Studies Program at Martin Luther College next uh, spring. But I've got to have everything written this fall. So kind of thinking through that out loud, and Sally's helping me do that. And uh, it's kind of an interesting course. We've talked uh, so far, we've broken it down into seven pieces. We've talked about project management. We've talked about data management, the first uh, two segments of uh, our, our summer series. Today, we're talking about a topic we talked about not too long ago, last October, I think it was, called PKM or personal knowledge management. And um, this is um, a newer concept. I think when we talked about it in October, we kind of had to introduce the topic and to to a lot of people as they have not uh, heard this term before. You've heard of other things like personal information management and professional development and those kinds of things, but this is just a little bit of a variation. So Sally, I thought a good thing to do would be go straight to the source, which is in this case, Wikipedia, and read a couple paragraphs from there just to introduce you or reintroduce you to this concept and why it might be relevant for a, uh, a ministry worker uh, of uh, 2022. So I'm just going to read a couple lines here. We don't normally do this on Wells Tech, but I thought rather than me try and uh, explain it, let's uh, let's give the clinical definition. <laughs> Personal knowledge management, PKM, is a process of collecting information that a person uses to gather, classify, store, search, retrieve, and share knowledge in their daily activities 
and the way in which these processes support work activities. It is a response to the idea that knowledge workers, that's us, need to be responsible for their own growth and learning. It is a bottom-up approach to knowledge management, or KM. A little bit of the history, uh, and it doesn't have a long history, uh, although as early as 1998, Davenport, uh, they're, they're referencing an author here, wrote on the importance to work product, worker productivity of understanding individual knowledge processes. The term personal knowledge management appears to be relatively new. Its origin can be traced in a paper uh, from 1999. PKM integrates personal information management, or PIM, lots of acronyms here, Sally, <laughs> focused on individual skills with knowledge management, in addition to input from a variety of disciplines, such as cognitive psychology, management, and philosophy. From an organizational perspective, understanding of the field has developed in light of expanding knowledge about human cognitive capabilities and the permeability of organizational boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just want to read one line here from the models section. Dorsey in 2001 identified information retrieval, assessment and evaluation, organization, analysis, presentation, security, and collaboration as essential to PKM. So there you have the, the Wikipedia definition. I think it might be helpful to kind of dissect that and unpack that a little bit. So we threw a lot of acronyms around. And I think some people uh, kind of confuse this with personal information management, or maybe just even document and file management or personal learning networks. And it's kind of a mix of, of some of those things. But maybe the best definition I've been able to come up with for what personal knowledge management is, is it's a system where you essentially create a second brain, something outside of your head. We, we often refer, you and I often refer to the Wells Tech show notes site as our second brain. And that's true because that's where we document the kind of our thoughts, links, reactions. Um, I mean, that's the single source for everything we've done on Wells Tech. So if we kind of translate that into our own personal space, a second brain is at that place where we dump and organize and search and make sense of uh, all the things that uh, the article talked about, retrieval, etc. cetera, uh, the stuff that's in our head. What do you, you know, think, Martin, Sally? I have a weird reaction to all that you just said. It reminded me of a um, detective show that I saw once and the the criminal mind, the person, the mastermind behind it, when they finally uncovered his lair, it had um, it had all types of images and newspaper articles and you know print materials like tacked up on mm -hmm. the walls all over the place, and then he had strings, yeah, like all over the place. It was this massive web of strings that connected all of these pieces mm -hmm. of this puzzle that this criminal mind had worked out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's kind of a picture in my mind of what um, PKM looks like in a digital space. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of connecting the dots. Have you seen a beautiful mind? I haven't. I oh, would like you to should see that because it's yeah. very much, it's very much that way. Okay. And I'm not saying you need to have that kind of IQ to even do this. Um, I think 
maybe one of the big questions to ask right off the bat is how do you discover and search for your own Mm -hmm. knowledge? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think everybody does that a little bit differently. They write it down in a notebook or they have a folder in Google docs or Google drive, or they have some other system. And that's where we'll get into the tips and tools. We'll break this down a little bit further in just a minute, but uh, maybe I'll ask you, Sally, how do you discover and search for your knowledge? What's it, what is your second brain other than, you know, our Wells tech uh, show notes page for Wells techie stuff. Am I allowed to say Google? (laughs) Google period. No, Um, I think it's obviously it's, it's more than that. It's the organization piece Mm -hmm. of the discovery as well. But um, yeah, that's a hard one. I think if I were to tell you one thing that I couldn't live without that organizes me and is my go-to, it almost would be my browser bookmarks in Mm -hmm. Chrome and Google. Um, I'm sorry, Chrome and edge. Um, That's really probably what I do most consistently and have the most stored. And, and I can even dial up things from years ago that are tucked away in some hidden folder deep in that structure. But I do rely very heavily on my bookmarks. I have them backed up. I can access them from my mobile devices because I use Chrome browser and things like that. So I would say that would be probably my number one would be my bookmark system. Yep. I would agree. Um, that's one area that I do some kind of collection of knowledge. I think what you can't do there, and this is where things like, you know, for me, one note or whatever come in is those ideas that you have, mm-hmm. you know, those mm-hmm. you're, you're showering and you come up with an idea and you, you jump out and say, I got to write this down or you're, you know, a lot of the ideas that pop into my head happen while I'm mowing my lawn or those kinds of things. How do you capture those? And then how do you not just capture them, but then how do you stuff them into a place you're going to discover them again, go back mm-hmm. to them, do something with them? Because an idea that you have is only as valuable as you know, you're putting it to work. Mm-hmm. And that's where personal knowledge management tries to uh, shine, where it says, not only do you need a place to put these ideas, these thoughts, these, uh, this web of ideas, because one idea leads to another and you kind of build it up until it becomes a big idea or a project, uh, or, you know, something meaningful, maybe it becomes a blog post or a lesson plan or a sermon or, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever your, your area of, of interest and, and, um, responsibility is, how do you get back to it? How do you find it? How do you make sense of it? How do you give it some value? How does it provide value to you? That's probably the best way to describe a personal knowledge management system is not only just a place for research, but a place to do something with that research, make it into, you know, a big idea. Um, I almost feel like it's, it's almost a Bloom's taxonomy kind of thing or a higher order Mm. thinking skill that you're talking about. Like, maybe I'm just at the junior high level of this and you're a little bit higher in the pyramid than me because it takes, well, I just kind of came up with a list of adjectives and things to describe it. It takes consistency. It takes commitment, Mm -hmm. takes intentionality. It takes refinement over time and things like that. And that, that that's definitely on a, on a scale. It takes, 
it takes graduated levels to mm-hmm. to get this where you want it to be probably certainly takes practice um and all the things you mentioned consistency commitment a couple tips that came uh, you know off the top of my head as i was thinking through this this discussion is it's really helpful to try and only put your stuff in one place if you have to kind of remember where you stuffed it then you've not you've automatically created a barrier between you and your second brain so now your brain has to remember not only uh the thing that you Mm -hmm. you know maybe captured but where you put that thing um you know is it in a bookmark is it in one note is it in google drive is it uh in a notebook someplace you know that's that's hard Uh, another tip don't over organize so if you have folders seven layers deep now (laughs) you are counting on your future self to remember what your past self was thinking when you organized it um that's where search comes Mm -hmm. in and you know that comes back to tools which we'll talk about here in a minute you have to be able to 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 enter a fuzzy search term whether it's a tag or some little piece of Mm -hmm. what you remember to to find this thing and then hopefully they're linked together so that you can find the relevant information and and that process that your brain goes through to do that when it really is old and deep that you're looking for. Um, I'm thinking about our use of Trello for the business Mm -hmm. side of this, where we capture so much um, with our technology team and Trello in that moment when I know it exists, but trying to find it and going to that search box and feeling like I'm never going to find this. This is so long ago or whatever, and refining things and actually having it deliver for you. You know, there's a little panic on the front end of that, but search is such a powerful tool. Yep. Yep. And getting more and more important as we create, as we create more and more material, almost all digitally. Sure. Uh, it's important to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tip, portability. Um, you have to kind of think where this stuff is stored in what kind of system, you know, and how you're going to retrieve it. Is it always going to be, are you always going to have a computer in front of you? Or maybe it's a tablet or maybe it's a phone. Um, and maybe it's not even the same kind of operating system, you know, maybe it's a Mac or a PC and you decide to switch one day and then all your stuff is in, is locked in, you know, windows only or a Mac only system. So cross platform is an important decision to make. Um, so keep Mm -hmm. that in mind as you move forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, another tip, set aside time. You know, you have to, this is going back to your intentionality, you know, uh, tip, set aside time for cleanup, review and discovery. So you want to keep things tidy, you know, don't leave cruft in there, I guess, um, spend time, dedicated time to reviewing what you've maybe done during the week, maybe a Friday is a good day to do that. Um, and then spend time just kind of nosing around your stuff. Uh, and then you might discover stuff that's in there. You, you refresh your memory as to, Oh yeah, that was in there. I got, I got to get back to that. And maybe you add a task to your task list based on that piece of information that you found. Now is the time to be thinking of it over summer because school year is starting up and, you know, now I've got a chance to think through this, develop it or talk, run it past somebody else or request budget monies for it or, you know, whatever that is. So 
that's, that's, I think the hard part is just the, because we're so busy, you know, we don't just set time out to, to think and review and, you know, spend a little time with our, our second brain. So that's important. Sally, we should probably, this is a technology kind of show. So we should talk about some technology tools. Of course, there's the capture side of this, the software side of this. And we'll put a link to episode 664, where we talked about a lot of these in the past when we talked about personal knowledge management for the first time. But uh, Obsidian uh, is a tool uh, that is very prominent today for capturing text. One of the kind of uh, center pieces of their approach is these are all markdown files. So they're just raw text files that Obsidian sits on top of and makes sense of and connects and tags and you know cross-references. And it's very, uh, very simple to use and very portable because now all of your stuff is in text files. OneNote is basically what I use and we've talked about on the show. I like OneNote because it basically allows you to stuff almost anything in it. You can have images, you can obviously have text, you can drag files into it, you can share it, um, you can draw in it. Um, so very flexible. I can have it on my, my iPad or on my computer or on my phone and still get access to all that information. And searching is excellent, you know, within OneNote. Two others that are very popular that I don't have a lot of experience with are Craft and Notion. Notion came along, I think, first, and then Craft is kind of a, takes, you know, gives a little bit more style to the same concept, but they kind of do the same thing, you know, document and uh, task management and in uh, idea captures, brainstorming tools, those kinds of things. Just one important note across all of these tools that is really key, I think, is make sure that whatever tool you select allows you to link information together. I wish, and that's one of the, I think maybe you'll agree, Sally, one of the shortcomings of OneNote, it's not super easy to insert a link to another page, for instance. I mean, you can, uh, you can always grab a link to a page, but it's a two or three step process. You got to go to the page, right click, click, uh, copy link to note, and then go back to the page you run and add it. These other tools allow you to do it more uh, seamlessly where you can just hit a key combination and then do a quick search for whatever you want to link to. Uh, but that is key. Uh, make sure that you can link one piece of information to another rather than just this behemoth big file of, of all your stuff. You want to be able to segment it out. So, so that's the software side. Uh, Sally, you mentioned bookmarks as maybe being one of your key tools with your personal knowledge management. And I think we'll call this kind of the utilities area. I think that is super important. And I'm going to have a, a pick of the week that kind of focuses on bookmarks, but uh, super powerful, right? Uh, both whether that's in Chrome or Azure, whatever browser you're using, it's really kind of the heart of uh, trying to organize what is a place that most people spend a lot of time on, and that's your web browser. 
Mm-hmm. I've even gone as far as exporting my bookmarks and editing the XML file that's generated no, to really. share my bookmarks mm-hmm. or a portion of my bookmarks with other people, you know, oh, new yeah. hires in the department, different things like that. So um, yeah. it is possible to share that knowledge location as well. There's a pretty huge ecosystem of plugins, you know, within Chrome that uh, can amp up the uh, capabilities of bookmarks or favorites or whatever they're called. Uh, Edge also has, and we've talked about this in the past, something called collections. So you can group together websites or even bookmarks into a collection. Let's say you're doing some trip planning or you've got another a big idea that you're building over time and you just want a place to, to tuck these away. Uh, and it's kind of got a visual interface and it'll give you a thumbnail and all that stuff. So check that out if you're interested in that. But yeah, bookmarks, because we spend so much time on the web, bookmarks are really key. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. And then finally, the last category under tools is hardware. Of course, the computer is going to be uh, an important piece of the puzzle, but from a portability standpoint, I think uh, one of the key tools that I probably couldn't live without with uh, personal knowledge management is the good old iPad, right? Uh, And I think one of my picks of the year last year was uh, the iPad I picked up uh, kind of mid-year, and that's this iPad mini which is a nice, uh, nice size to carry around to meetings. And uh, it's not real in your face and is perfect for, you know, writing notes. I use it with the Apple pencil and uh, just kind of a take it everywhere kind of tool that allows me to both have my notes, but also capture notes. And you can take pictures when we were purchasing our new home, which we just moved into a couple days ago. Uh, I took this along and was taking pictures of uh, different rooms or cabinets because we were redoing the cabinets and I wanted to get sizes. So I take a picture of the kitchen cabinet, then I do, I'd measure it, then I draw right on the picture what the dimensions were nice. of the openings, you know, room sizes, is the couch going to fit here, that kind of stuff. So it came, came in handy there. Uh, or just for capturing documents. Um, if you want to try and stay paperless. So a a portability tool like an iPad is, uh, I think, key. Okay. So I have to tag on to this, maybe not knowledge management, but technically it was for me. Just got back from a trip, a vacation, but I actually started that trip right at the end of the education conference. And I still had some leftover responsibilities to the education conference as I'm driving down the highway. I wasn't driving. My husband was driving. I was passenger down the highway. And so I brought my personal computer to do that work. And a couple of hours in, I realized I left my personal computer Mm. power supply at home and I had my iPad and I literally in a blink of an eye was able to shift gears. I didn't expect to be able to do what I needed to do on the iPad, but it, it delivered, you know, over and above what I thought it was capable of. I was so impressed and so thankful for the battery life on it It was a lot longer than my personal computer. And I did have a power supply for it along. So kudos for the iPad. I, I second your approval of it. Tucks in, tucks in most places. And yeah very multi-purpose tool. Mm-hmm. And we don't, you know, we're not big Apple sponsors, of course, but iPad seems to be the, um, the go-to, um, and works the best. I, I think 
other manufacturers have tried to to produce tablets and i've tried a few of them and nothing really compares especially when you compare it with a with a pencil apple pencil too so mm -hmm. not the cheapest solution but you'll get long life out of it i find it lasts a long long time and mm -hmm. uh, quite functional so so that's it i think sally for personal knowledge management we're going to talk uh, i'll I'll tease uh, our next show because we're going to continue down this enhancing ministry with technology journey here. Personal learning networks, PLNs, another acronym mm -hmm. we're going to talk about next time. Um, I'm looking forward to that as well, because that all plays in here because that those learning networks are the seed or the source for you know, your knowledge management system. Knowledge. So you're sure. pulling this stuff out and you're saying, this is a good idea. I want to think more about this or I want to expand on it or uh, take a left turn with it or, you know, whatever. So cool stuff. Oh. Lots of acronyms in this show, Martin, but actually you expanded my vocabulary. I'm did so I? excited <laughs> that you taught me a new word today. I did not know the word croft and I need a spelling on that. Is that C-R-U-F-T? Uh, you spell it any way you want. I'm not sure okay. it's actually a word. So I should look <laughs> okay. this up. Croft. Set aside uh, time for cleanup, review, and discovery so you have no croft. So file that one away, folks. Vocabulary word of the day. Yeah, I'm just looking up croft. There's apparently a town in Germany with K-R-U-F-T <laughs> spelling. But okay. let's, look, let's look up C-R-U-F-T. Ah, it is a word, croft, C-R-U-F-T. Badly designed, unnecessarily complicated, or unwanted code or software. So it's a technology term, which I've Look at that. Here, so Cruft is a jargon word for anything that is left over, redundant, and getting in the way. If it is used particularly in defective, superseded, useless, superfluous, or dysfunctional elements in computer software. All right. No Cruft on Wells Tech, guys. No this here. is... This is the cruft theme. free cruft free zone here. <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's move on to our picks of the week. <laughs> All right. And my pick of the week is geared toward those with the design desire. Um, and maybe not the high level designers, but the people like me that are kind of wannabes that, that fake their way through image <laughs> editing and design. Uh, uh, good news. <laughs> good news. Adobe's web-based Photoshop will soon be free to everyone. According to an article in PC World, we'll link to that article. It's already free for folks in Canada. So they're anticipating it coming. And this was from like June 14th. I, I'm sorry, I didn't get anything more recent. And it's possible that it's been released already in America. I haven't, I haven't looked that up, but I will. Um, but the point is, uh, Adobe Photoshop is a very high-end, uh, not-to-pocket, um, wallet-friendly solution. Mm -hmm. um, when they did go online with it, apparently it was in the $700 range. Now you can get it in the Creative Cloud, but that's $120 a year, you know, so ongoing um, cost to use Photoshop through Creative Cloud. Um, apparently they're realizing that's not always the most friendly way to attract customers when the price tag is so high. And so they're willing to go with a freemium version. And uh, it looks like that'll be a pretty powerful tool. When I think Photoshop, the thing that comes to mind right away is doing layers and things in your images. And mm -hmm. um, it sounds like that kind of capability will be in the free tool and they'll just scale back on some of their higher end um, capabilities that you'll have to continue to pay for. But 
um, exciting news, definitely something I will be checking out and probably learning a lot more about image editing just because I have that tool available to me. So watch for more from Adobe, just a free Adobe login should get you access when it is released. So excellent. Yeah. All right. My pick of the week is a YouTube video from Simplitivity. Uh, it's a guy that I've followed for quite some time, and he talks about productivity tips related to technology. And uh, this one is entitled How to Manage Chrome. And this, I guess, applies to Edge to bookmarks. How to manage Chrome bookmarks like a pro. Um, I found this pretty interesting. It's a, it's a fairly basic introduction to, to bookmarks, uh, things like how to show the bookmarks bar, that kind of stuff, how to create folders, um, but so some good practical common sense things. A couple things that I learned is that uh, once you've created these bookmarks, and this is talked about in the video, you can right click on a folder in particular and open everything in that folder um, uh, for instance, in Edge, you can create uh, a new tab group, and tab groups are uh, just collections that kind of color code a group of tabs. So, for instance, I have a tab or a folder full of Office applications. So, I have Outlook, and I have Outlook for the web, and I have Calendar um, and OneDrive, those kinds of things. And I can right click on that folder and say open in a new tab group and now I've got it all set up. So if there's a series of websites that you open up for a specific tasks, maybe it's uh, lesson planning or sermon preparation. So you got a tab uh, for, for Logos and a Bible, another Bible or other resources. And you put that in a folder on your bookmarks bar, you can right click and select open in tab group. And then you've got all your stuff ready to go. You don't have to open up one at, one at a time or type anything into the URL bar. Um, if you want to even save a, a, an extra click, uh, I think on the keyboard by pressing uh, control and alt and then uh, clicking, left clicking, it'll open it up both the, all the tabs in a particular folder. Uh, on the Mac, that would be Command-Alt and then um, click, which uh, just saves you one, one step. So if you're, open, if you're used to opening up a lot of tabs regularly, that may be a time saver for you. Uh, another thing that he talks about in the video is using uh, emoji. So if you want to spruce up what those folders look like or even replace the icon that comes with the tab when you save it, you can do that. Just go to something like Emojipedia and you can find, uh, do a search on whatever emoji you want. And then it'll, there's a copy button, for instance, on Emojipedia and you can just uh, rename the, uh, the folder and give it a little bit more style, if you like, if there's an emoji that... Uh, that uh, suits what you're doing. So all kinds of little tweaks that make it a little bit more fun. You are spending a lot of time in your browser, so you might as well make it as comfortable and as productive as possible. Did I know that Emojipedia existed? Have you been holding back on me, Martin, or what? <laughs> it's been around a long time. Um, I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Yeah, there's other one, the Emojipedia. There's a couple others that will allow you to search for these things. So cool. Works pretty well. 
I know where All I'm right, going after my this. <laughs> pick of the week. Yes. Um, community, we're calling this something else. And we haven't updated our one note yet. Community news and feedback. Is that what we're calling it? Yes. I think you're right, Martin. Okay. What do we got? Well, um, I thought it would be great to circle back to the education conference that wrapped up last Wednesday, uh, June 22nd. We spent a lot of time in our last season of Wells Tech talking and prepping for um, a very exciting conference. And I want to tell you, it did not disappoint. I was mm. privileged to be part of the conference. And it was uh, a fabulous four days total with the pre-conference included and um, such amazing connections and um, speakers and fellowship time and good food and great location. Uh, it all delivered as desired. And I was very happy to report that. Um, and there were a few things I thought Wells Techers might be interested in as a result. Um, first of all, um, quick screen share. If you're watching the video, um, you can go to wellsedconference.com and find a lot of the resources and things that were part of it. Um, presenters shared their presentations, some of them, many of them shared, and uh, you can access that information there. We also had a mobile app, and Martin, uh, you might remember back to Wells Ed Tech Lead in 2019, we used a tool called Glide App, and mm -hmm. we did some Wells Tech follow-up on that because it, it served us really well. And it's a free tool. Um, and it's driven by Google Sheets behind the scenes with markdown um, text in the in the fields in the Google Sheet. And once again, I think we're very happy with the performance of the app. Uh, we went totally paperless. So people relied on this for their schedule and to access all the different resources and things. So again, just a plug for Glide Apps, um, a really versatile tool. And I think we've kind of just scratched the surface with what we've done, but it's it's been very well received and, and was pivotal to the success of the conference. So I was excited to see that. Um, one person that I met in particular, Principal Micah Beasterfield, and I can't remember exactly where he serves, but he was looking for some digital citizenship um, resources, and I was able to point him to both Common Sense Media and Google's Applied Digital Skills, where there's, there's curriculums, there's resources for parents, for students, for teachers, all kinds of great things on both of those sites. So if you're looking for something similar, definitely check out those sites for those types of resources. And then finally, um, circling back, by the way, Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Thank you for looking or Baraboo, that up. I guess mm -hmm. he's at okay. uh, St. John's in Baraboo. And then um, circling back to our last Wells Tech, we talked about Ditch That Textbook's um, Summer Professional Development. It was uh, submitted to us from teacher Michael Vlieger at, um, I want to say, St. Uh, Risen Savior in Mankato, Minnesota. It goes to my church, but the school has a different name. Anyway, um, I was a little bit intrigued. They had one titled Getting Started with Digital Escape Rooms. So I actually plunked down the $19 and bought this course and went through it. So I just wanted to give you some feedback. I thought it was extremely well executed. There were tons of resources, video tutorials, um, lots of templates and ideas and things to use. And I actually created a digital escape room for the conference, the great EDU 22 escape. So we'll throw a link in the show notes. If you want to try out a digital escape room to see the kind of things they teach you in that ditch that textbook online tutorial resources, um, you can check out our digital escape room. One thing that was cool was they taught you how to 
use a Google slide to do some image overlays and include some hidden uh, clickable things. So as you move your mouse around over different components on the image, um, it'll open up different puzzles and things for you to solve that help you ultimately answer the questions that are on the Google form that are that make up the escape room. So it was a lot of fun to do. It was easy to follow their example. And this is a great um, example for you to see the kind of things that you might learn to do. You can create these escape rooms very well received by students in all different types of settings um, on practically any type of content. And it's, it's fun to create. Um, and like I said, they give you lots and lots of templates and things to use to make that happen. So um, check it out if you're interested at all in uh, digital escape rooms. Excellent. Communities and feedback is one of our favorite segments. Um, and it's only possible if uh, the community, the Wells Tech community gets involved. So please contribute your ideas, thoughts, reactions, questions. Um, to our show notes page. If you go to wellstech.wells.net, you find not only the information about the episode and the link to the audio and video, but all kinds of different ways to connect with us. Uh, there is a little blue button on the hanging on off the right edge of the screen that says send a voicemail. So you can do that. Uh, you can leave a comment on any show, uh, which we will see and uh, share uh, if appropriate. And then, of course, all the social media that we are involved with, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, and the list goes on and on. So you are more than welcome to, to dive over there and uh, both enjoy the material, our second, our Wells Tech second brain, mm -hmm. but also uh, a way to connect with us. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention uh, good old fashioned email, Wells Tech at wells.net will get to us as well. We get a lot of, get a lot of our connections through that as well. Yeah. Excuse me, Sally, that is going to, I think, do it for this week's show. 684 is in the can and we're going to look forward to 685 where we talk again about personal learning networks. So tune back in in a couple of weeks and uh, we look forward to, to having you and sharing some more good stuff. Thank you for joining us this week and uh, have a great week. See you soon. Bye-bye.